Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. Uh, Kevin Van Valkenburg joining us from sunny California. Good to have you back. Second time you've podcasted this week talking about Tiger. Bacon cucked me yet again, huh? He did, yeah. I got to submit, this is pretty thirsty podcasting might be because I, I think it's this is because I made a joke on the the hangout, uh, the new message board for, for NLU and you saw it and you were like, well, I guess I better bring KVV back on. So. What's funny, yeah. And I, there was a, There's a thread on there recommending podcast guests and one of them was... A post that just said KVV, 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 KVV. And I was like, oh, wow, this guy really wants KVV back. And I didn't notice that it was you right away. <laughs> it's like, you know what? <laughs> That's I do, perfect. I do need to get KVV back on. And here we are. So I uh, need some Russian burner accounts to like just go ahead and pump up my profile. <laughs> I will say this week, for the first time ever, I'm walking the ropes of the rib. I'm with Kat and with Rory and, and JT. I'm, you know, I'm, I got my, my face in my notebook. I'm, I'm thinking up some good nuggets for a future magazine story. And somebody along the rope line was like, KVV, love hearing you guys on the pod. That's awesome, man. And I was like, whoa, I just got recognized for the first time. Like the, the no laying up bump is real. Oh, it's very real. You've never been recognized before? That, that doesn't Well, not seem... like in a golf sense. Not okay. like as a, because of my like, you know, Twitter posse. Did they demand so, that you do the uh, Gary Player on the spot? They didn't, and you know what? I felt really bad. Like I literally halfway up the fairway, I was like, I should go back and give that guy the Gary Player. But <laughs> I didn't. That's the treat so, you would bring him. Is that that I owe, I owe it to that guy? To do the game. So if that guy's out there, listen to this right now. I want him to know he should do a hundred push-ups tonight. <laughs> uh, that's a new record, I think. A uh, minute yeah. something in, and we already got our. Uh, Got our first scary player. I had to beg for that one, but um, so you got to see most of Tiger, Rory, JT. I think for a couple of days, but I do kind of want to start uh, with Bubba. Uh, I do want to get your kind of on course take and what to, what you saw out there. But uh, I know you didn't get to watch a lot this weekend after Tiger missed the cut. But I'm sure yeah, you've seen now that some and saw some of the, the stuff. I, I can I think I can talk Bubba credibly. But that's that's <laughs> that's my point. Is you have you're one of the people I want to talk to the most about Bubba. Uh, so I'll just ask it, is Bubba back? I think Bubba is back. Like if you were able to go and, and put some money down on Bubba to win the Masters at 50 to one, uh, before this tournament, uh, you're in good shape. I don't think those odds are going to hang for, uh, very long, but, um, yeah, I think, I think that, uh, it's, it's going to be pretty interesting to watch Bubba at the Masters. I mean, my, my initial impression, just watching his, uh, post round interview and reading his press conference was, God, this guy's such a weirdo. I mean, I love that he is a weirdo in a lot of ways because I think golf is better with weirdos. But, like, the whole – I was thinking about retiring 10 times and running my minor league baseball team in my car dealership. And then, you know, I was decided to come back. And my wife, you know, heard me say 10 times that I you know, couldn't – I should stick with it. And, you know, it's, it's, it's insane. I mean, this is a person who – Literally, like, the most important thing about his game is being able to work the ball, like, in both directions. And for a while, like, he was such a weirdo that he, it was more important to him to play a pink or a fluorescent green ball than it was to have a ball that he could actually work. And 
that had to be a huge part of why he dropped like 150 spots in the world rankings and was awful for two years. I mean, how is it? Is it fair to say that we haven't talked enough about how one of maybe the third ranked player in the world basically changed his equipment just to be goofy and like all of a sudden he was completely awful? I've maintained that stance for eternity, and somehow we don't talk about this enough. How bizarre it was, and. Part of it being Bubba, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, he does a lot of crazy stuff. Like, imagine if, like, John Rahm switched to Volvic golf balls and was playing putt-putt balls, like, right now. How ridiculous that would be. It is just, like, absolutely – I mean, he barely tested them. He didn't even take that much money for him. He took about a million dollars from what I gathered. And the amount of on-course earnings that cost him, and and I'm sure there's a lot of factors that contributed to his kind of downfall, but that certainly has to be one of them. And the fact that he's playing now without even a ball deal um, and and is is basically, I don't know who dropped who essentially, but I think he was just done playing that golf ball. It's it's absolutely insane. It is. And we've talked about it a ton on this this podcast, but I still don't think it's it's like emphasized enough. Like it should be talking about that on the broadcast, like about how he made a significant equipment change to something that no one else is playing. He watched the World Long Drive Championships and decided he and his interest was peaked in playing that golf ball as if he hadn't had <laughs> enough success in his career with the golf ball that he was playing. And now he's back to playing a real golf ball, and he's back. He just won at, a, at a, one of the toughest tests in golf, and he looks like a scary person again for Augusta this year. It's kind of – you forget how good he was. It's easy to kind of write him off, and I, I don't think I'd written him off necessarily, but, man, it was just like – Watching him battle today, it was like, oh, that's right. He is immensely talented. The lines he takes are some of the most entertaining lines in golf. And the fact that, like, shout out to CBS for the adding the fairway pro tracer to kind of show that the routes he's taking to get to some of these holes, you would never have an appreciation for it if you didn't have that the tracer on those shots. But yep. he looks like a bad man again and looks kind of scary. And uh, I don't know. I, I wasn't... I definitely don't root for Bubba, but like I wasn't really rooting hard against him today, if that makes sense. I yeah. enjoyed seeing like that comeback part of that piece today. I mean, I think you can, you know, say like I don't, I'm not gonna like, be a huge Bubba guy, but still enjoy like when he's in the mix and when he's like a character in golf. Like I think we're all sort of worse off when Bubba is sort of an irrelevant uh, figure. And just like to get back to the Volvic thing, it it is sort of like a very telling thing I think about how much the whole industry kind of runs on equipment dollars. And and I, what I'm not asking is for, like, I'm not asking CBS to, like, dump all over Volvic, you know, as they're sort of talking about it, just the same way, like, we wouldn't get on this podcast and you wouldn't dump on Callaway because it's... But just be, like, upfront about it. Be like, hey, look, he made a major equipment change. And, yes, Volvic buys ad time on CBS. But let's talk about that. Like, did that... Was that a factor? And bring someone from Volvic around to sort of defend it and say, well, you know, we've... We still are a huge market in you know other areas, and maybe it wasn't the bright ball for him, and blah, blah blah. But it's just, it's so hilarious that everyone like who follows golf obsessively, like we do, kind of gets that and understands what a weird deal that was, and it's kind of goes un, unremarked on on the broadcast. Yeah, um, he's just, he's a he's an artist. He really is. He's fun to watch. He, the top tracer thing is is dead on. Like, has anything in golf viewing? improved golf viewing you know more than putting top tracer like on almost every tee and in the fairway like it just it should be that should be part of your budget for what you when you put together broadcast a tournament you should have that and because it's cool it's cool to see you know guys like rory hit it towering shots and it's cool to see guys who play it low in the green like 
And it's awesome to see Bubba shape things around. That should be that should be part of modern golf coverage. Yeah. It should be like the equivalent of putting the shot clock up in you know like broadcasting NBA games, which frankly they didn't do for a long time. <laughs> yeah. No, it is. It should be the norm, and it's kind of like I don't know. For years, when it when you didn't have it, every shot that came off the came off the club face looks like it just goes dead right, and you otherwise you don't know what you're watching until the ball lands. When but knowing what the ball's doing in the air just adds a totally different level of the viewing experience. I can't say how many times today, like with Finau and with Bubba, and like some of these shots are being played. I, how many times like they when they hit a big hook into a green, like I I would be like audible, like oh shit, like that is sick, like. Some really interesting stuff, uh, you know, just adds a totally different, interesting element. The silliest shot in golf, and I wish we could sort of get rid of this for the broadcast of it, is when you're you're sort of face on on a player, and then he hits it, and the camera zooms up to just the ball. So all you're <laughs> seeing is the ball in the air, and then it follows the ball to the earth. Like, that gives you nothing. Like, there's, there, it's just a ridiculous way to sort of broadcast golf. Like, that's, be behind the guy, or, you know... Be beside him and give me some sort of like what Fox does, where it shows you visually like how the the you know the drive looks or how the shot in the green looks. Totally. Uh, back to kind of what you were saying there with it, just kind of Bubba being a weirdo. And I I do feel like maybe just because he hasn't been as con- in contention as much or at the top of the storylines that he's kind of dialed back a lot of his antics and he's just not given us too many like of the easy to make fun of pray for Ted Scott moments in recent years. And I don't know if that. Makes me kind of trend. Uh, these people are going to be all over me for like sounding like I like Bubba now. Let me clarify that that's not necessarily the case. But like I said, like I said at the beginning, like I, I just have a harder time rooting against him because I feel like he's kind of, I don't know, I don't know if I want to say you, you, you call him kind of a weirdo, and it's like he is just a different guy, and I think is really uncomfortable with a microphone in front of him and yes. doesn't know how to relay what's going in his head. And it always comes off wrong, and he just ends up kind of looking foolish. Like yes. we were talking to some people in the press conference today that just said he contradicted himself like eight times. And but I just think he starts <laughs> a sentence and doesn't know where it's going to go, and just kind of wings it. And that, that's Bubba. I'm Bubba. Uh, but he comes kind of the opposite looking, of Tiger, who never says a loose word uh, ever, and it's Bubba's like just wandering from. I got a, a putting lessons from Mary Badley, and it, but it was awesome. But of course, it didn't help me, and uh, I won't tell him that. <laughs> Because he's, you know, he's a great guy, and uh, you know, not, I mean, just just a rambling sort of like drunk at the end of the bar, almost kind of uh, approach to talking about golf. I mean, it just, I think what's what I've always thought, and I think we maybe we've even talked about this before, but he when he did that big sit down with sixty minutes, where he sort of like cut open a vein and like basically told you like all of his anxieties about his dad and his social anxieties and fear of heights or whatever. I actually think that was sort of most people like feel unburdened by like letting them other people in and just sort of saying, yeah, this is who I am. And this is all my kind of idiosyncrasies. I think she think that was bad because I think it sort of, it made Bubba actually think like, as he was walking the rope lines, like all these people are thinking I'm a weirdo. Like all these people are, are looking at me funny. And like, he just was, you know, I remember the masters, I interviewed him briefly uh, outside the, the big tree there and he was like, he was the most uncomfortable I think I've ever seen in my life. Just asking him about that interview and just a lot of people do interviews, you know, I just felt like, felt, you know, time to just talk about something. So maybe people stop asking me about it and I was like, whoa, like, okay. I was just, you know, 
thinking like, hey, you, I was kind of appreciating that you sort of put yourself out there, and then you're mad at me for bringing it up. It was weird. It was just weird. Well, I mean, just look at this weekend alone for like how many times he contradicted himself. Like, first of all, with the long – and I, I, I love to bring up the long drive contest that he skipped in 2014 <laughs> at the PGA because he wanted to focus on winning a championship. And then during the middle of this tournament, went and played a celebrity all-star game, which I was kind of beating, beating him up for. Like, I thought, you know, you're, you can just kind of get yourself – you can roll an ankle. You can get pretty sore if you don't play regularly. Obviously, oh, I was God. wrong there because he won the golf tournament after playing in that. So, uh, But I just thought that was kind of ridiculous. And then talking about how he's going to retire if he got to 10 wins, and here he got to 10 wins, and no one really thought he was going to retire, but he, of course, didn't retire. So Everything about this week was kind of peak Bubba, wasn't it? Like, yeah. We have, we have a great course, like a track that uh, is a classic, sort of amazing track that fits his sort of artistic style. We have him, you know, bawling in the interview afterwards, uh, talking about how he, you know, 10 wins was all he ever wanted and he thought about retiring and maybe retired 10 times. And we have him, you know, participating in a ridiculous uh, sort of sham of an event and pretending like that it is more important than the golf tournament that he's going to go on to win. Like all we really needed was him like berating Teddy and then like, you know, crying about it afterwards to have complete like the Bubba Bingo. It was amazing. <laughs> we should make a Bubba Bingo. There's an idea right there. Some for the Masters. Oh, right there. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Well, he's probably going to be a factor in the Masters if he continues this. But uh, on that note, um, where? So let me ask you: Do you yeah. want Bubba in Paris right oh, now? God. If you were to decide now, if we're taking the team over to play now, would you want him? Um. I still am very hesitant to say that. He's just, in all of his previous uh, Ryder Cup stuff, he's proven to be a very difficult person to pair with. Uh, I've still never forgiven him for getting, like, drummed by Luke Donald uh, in Madonna. I mean, drummed. Like, he was down four after four. Uh, to Luke Donald, who's probably hitting at 80 yards pass. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he, look, they... They put Webb Simpson on the team just to get along with him. And it was like it made the team worse just to sort of like cover for a guy who wasn't going to do that well anyway. I Obviously, if he earns his way on the team, he's going to be on the team. Uh, but, you know, he's got a, lot, a long way to climb. I don't know. He, I, he's already talking about, you know, I texted Jimmy and said, I, can I be a vice captain? And uh, he was like, no, I want you on the team. But I, I think I might like just be a vice captain. I mean, it, just – God. Such a it's going to be such a mess this year. I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be. We're going to be. Better question is: Would would you want Cat on the team if he improves a little bit more? Yeah, that's that's. Porath and I talked about that a little bit, and it was kind of something I wasn't willing to even entertain before Tori, and kind of waded very carefully into those waters by saying, like, look, if he is around like twentieth or so in the standings, like the team his teammates are going to rally for him to be on that team like those guys are going to want him on that team so that's the situation i could see it happening uh obviously i don't know i don't want to say obviously i wasn't expecting him to make the cut this week i wasn't expecting him in tory for the record but um i mean he he obviously had a what was everyone walking away saying good things about tory finished tied for 23rd if you remember he had to birdie his eight, his thirty sixth hole to make the cut. Yep. Like he almost emceed that. Like if he doesn't yep. get a nice bounce, we don't have that. And then he was not close to making the cut this week. Um, so all right, you so I like I, that. I, how I quickly transitioned this whole podcast yeah, to Tiger. You're done, <laughs> Bubba, weren't you? You're just done. <laughs> um, I, only thing, only things I had left to say about Bubba was he got one really great break holding his bunker shot today on fourteen because that ball was going off the green. 
but those are the kind of breaks that happen to like yep, the guy that usually wins the tournament. Yeah, totally. So uh, his putter can be extremely shaky, but he was 21st in strokes gained putting this week. If Bubba is in positive, that high up strokes gained putting, uh, it's usually bad news for the rest of the field. So he was. I remember seeing looking it up during the when we were talking about you know the ball and stuff, and and he was still like in strokes gained like off the tee. He was still like third or something, but he was like around the green. He was like 190th or something. I mean, he was losing like two strokes around uh, against the field, chipping and putting and whatever. That's which is crazy, right? Like right. that's you know, he used to have like a really like competent short game. At least he was just streaky putter. But my goodness, like how do you just not notice that dramatic of a fall off in your in your game, and then just not want to go out and paint a Pro V1 green and pretend to play it? <laughs> <laughs> I will say he was sixth in strokes gained around the green this week. He had his chipping on point. I mean, it was aided yeah. heavily by that hole out there on 14. But let's take a minute to talk about the new ChromeSoft Flow Motion video that Callaway just released. I didn't even, I'm not even sure I knew what Flow Motion was before this, but you may have seen me tweet about it. Uh, if not, you have to go check this thing out at callawaygolf.com slash ChromeSoft or on any of their social channels. It's a hyperlapse video that shows how the ChromeSoft is made at the Callaway Ball Plant in Chicopee, Massachusetts. Just try Trust me, you're going to want to see it. It's only about a minute and a half long, but it is excellent. Uh, the Chrome Soft and the Chrome Soft X are different than any other ball in that it's engineered with graphene, which is one of the strongest and lightest materials known to man. The graphene-infused outer core allows Callaway to engineer a golf ball with an incredible feeling, low spin off the tee, and increased spin around the green. I can personally attest to this. I played my first round with the new Chrome Soft X the other day, and it was noticeably different than any ball I've ever played, and they even added like arrows on the side now to help you line up your putt. Uh, the, the new Chrome Softs are fantastic. Get yours in stores now, callawaygolf.com slash Chrome Soft. Let's get back to the pod. Um, all right, so on to Tiger. Yeah, you got to. Fo- did you follow all of his first two rounds? I did. Yes. Okay. Very close up. And, yeah. So, just broadly asking, what what or what is your biggest? What were your biggest takeaways, or what kind of vibes did you pick up on him in person that might that we we might not have picked up on watching on TV? Uh, in person, I would say that one of the biggest takeaways for me is what a sort of kind of I guess happier. Uh, lighter personality Tiger has now. Okay. And I don't know if that's just attributable to he's happy to be back out there or age or honestly, uh, which I don't feel like we don't talk enough about, like it would be easy to be kind of like angry and pissed off all the time if you were like addicted to painkillers, which he has admitted like that was a problem for him. And now like if indeed he's figured out a way to to shake that, it wouldn't surprise me at all if that didn't play a role in uh, being just sort of a kind of easier going person. I mean, I legitimately watched him like, I know they're friendly, but like pat Rory on the back and like, you know, say like, you know, great swing and like, not, not even just like his kind of cold hearted, but, but like genuinely do friendly things. And, and amazingly like kind of ask Rory for some swing advice with the driver on Friday. And Rory was like, kind of you know taking him back and like giving it to him like telling him you know that was much better tempo that you did on that drive on 18 and like this is you know you're coming through you're keeping your your rear shoulder kind of more level or whatever and i mean if you're gonna go get driving advice getting it from rory is like a pretty good person to get it from right but like the idea that the way just the way that he was interacting with both rory and jt to me was really 
kind of neat to watch because that wasn't him, you know, seven, say eight, ten years ago. You know, he was just didn't have any time for anybody and was just a stone cold killer. And so I think you see like those younger guys, they so like having him back out there. And I think that's that really is legitimately a big reason why he does like being out there again is because that's how he connects with people. He those are his you know, I don't know that he has a ton of close friends. Uh, some of that is conjecture on my part, but I think, you know, he, that's a big reason why he likes doing this is because he can sort of actually have the ear of people who he respects and likes and, and are golf nerds like he is. So. It's, it's, I've always, I've found it interesting how in recent years, you know, he's, in the press conferences he does leading up to an event and coming back, he's talking about, it's just good to be out here with the boys again. It's like mm-hmm. in his twenties and thirties, did you ever hear him say that? No. Or is he talking about he's talking about dominating people, right? Yeah. He just wanted to win and didn't care at, at what cost. And now he's just, yeah, it's great to be out here with the boys again. It's like, what really? Like that's that's I mean, that's good for him if that's kind of the attitude. You know, if maybe he yeah. does view this as like the epilogue to his career and he does just in general just enjoy like the company of the guys out there and being out there and feeling like he has kind of a purpose rather than you sure. know toiling away injured and not being able to get off the couch, I'm sure just kind of changed his perspective on things. How about that picture of him and Phil too? Like when they right. saw each other on the range. I mean, obviously they, you know, the president's cup stuff, like they've hugged and they've certainly been friendly and stuff before, but just like the joy on each of their faces about like, Hey man, like look at us, like a couple California kids back <laughs> at Riv, you know, isn't that kind of a fun? And you could tell like, they were both really genuinely happy to see one on each other. And they were they were next to each other on the range on Friday, too. I mean, it's like they would have, you know, been as far away from each other as possible. Or Phil would have, like, in a needy way, like, wanted to go stand by him on the range and Tiger would have just completely iced him. And that's just not the way it is anymore. And I think that's kind of fun to see. Now, like, game-wise, uh, I just don't think he is even remotely close. I think you made a really good point uh, talking about this last week on pod where he was sort of talking about, you know, his rounds at Torrey, he really saved a lot with the putter. He was kind of just scraping it around and made it look better than it was. And when the putter went sideways on Friday, he was, it looked ugly. You know, he was just, he was totally on the bogey train. I mean, every miss on uh, Thursday was right. And so he was kind of like, yeah, I mean, I'm fine. Like I just need to really, you know, swing harder with this driver. I just getting, you know, know that with this shaft, I can really just crank it and it'll still be in the fairway. And then on Friday, he was just trying to crank it and everything was left. I mean, he had a snap hook. Parath and I were standing behind him. I think it was on, I want to say like 12, maybe 13. And it just, it should have been like lost ball into the Bronco like stuff. And it, it caught the trees and landed short, but it was as bad of a snap hook as I've seen him hit since he snapped that one into the ocean in Pebble uh, in 2000. It was ugly. Uh, so I just don't know. He made the point that I thought was interesting that he can't hit his irons like to the right distance right now. He's actually hitting it flush in a lot of ways, but there's, he can't control his distance. And so I don't know what that is, whether you know he's not quite uh, you know comfortable with the swing that he's making or his, his clubs aren't quite was sort of where he feels comfortable with them but he he said you know my whole career i've hit the ball pin high and right now like my irons when right now i just can't i'm hitting it long or i'm hitting it short and i I can't quite figure out why it's just reps it's a process you know my feels are all off you know we're gonna get all those no but that 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 to me that's not alarming to me that's exactly the kind of i don't know if rust is the right word but the exact kind of 
a hole in the game that I would expect to see coming back after a ridiculously long layoff. There's some stints in there where he played, obviously, but we're talking about a serious layoff from professional golf. Um, so that, but that, you know, I expected some waywardness off the tee. I expected just kind of some sloppiness in there. I didn't expect the putting to be as good as it has been, but kind of also knowing that's not something that you can totally rely on to be there every every day. Like you just mentally can't get yourself that out of position on that consistent of a basis and rely on your putter and just to you just can't maintain that kind of momentum so yeah i was kind of kind of concerned when i went and looked up um his stats for the week the only thing he did on a positive strokes gain putting basis for the week was on thursday he was in the top 30 i believe in strokes gain putting uh hmm. but off the tee yeah he was 13th on thursday 129th on friday off the tee, 125th and 115th. He also lost strokes to the field approaching the green both days and lost strokes to the field around the green both days. So legitimately, the only thing he did well was putt it well on Thursday. But again, it's a course that, you know, he, I think his, his lack of success there is kind of a bit overrated and that he hasn't yeah. won there, but he's not, this isn't like a, 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 a course that he can't really figure out. But Riviera is just a much more serious test than Torrey Pines is. Torrey, yes. you can kind of hit it. I mean, the fairways are narrow, but you can hit it kind of all over the yard there and not get yourself in too much trouble. Whereas yes. if you're hitting it just off the fairway in at Riv, there's, you're dealing with a lot more trees. Your angle mm-hmm. and your angles into the green are where you get really punished. And yep. so often on, especially on Thursday when he would reach for driver and miss way right, he put himself in the worst possible spots. And I think he played, you know, the holes that he missed the fairway with driver. He played him like four over or something on Thursday. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, but th- that's that's kind of why I wasn't surprised to see him miss. It's like Riv is just a totally, completely. You just have to you have to be in control of the, your distance, especially with that firm of greens. Like your, your distance with your irons is especially important, and he doesn't have that. So, uh, not surprised to see him fade. Disappointed, obviously. Didn't really give us a ton of great moments. He made five birdies on Thursday, but um, but yeah, I what mean, what do you think about uh, Honda? You... That was my next question. Uh, I don't feel much better about it. It's, I wouldn't call it like it's not like a similar test to Riv in any way, but it's windy there. There's a ton of water. There's some really brutal par fours that really demand you to hit driver. And yeah. um, I don't feel definitely don't feel great about it. I could be wrong, obviously, but um, it's not it's not the same as him teeing it up at a course with a track already as like Torrey Pines. You? Yeah. I don't. I mean, if it if the wind really blows there, I think he could shoot eighty. I mean, it's just. If it gets, it's not quite as, you know, there's not quite as many subtleties, I guess, as, uh, as Riv. It's just, I don't want to see him dumping balls in the bear trap, you know, in the, on the sort of three hole stretch. That's, that's brutal. But, you know, he's, uh, you know, he could play it safe there if he feels like it's coming apart and, and be okay. I just don't know. It's that it's, uh, he needs, he needs to play. Um, and I honestly, like, we keep laughing, like saying, well, what if he won? Like, you know, I, I still can't quite get out of my head. Like, well, he could drive it like badly at Augusta, and he could know where to miss, and he could shoot seventy-two. And who knows? You know, he's not going to win, but he could sort of, uh, you know, scrape it around. And then this, just watching him this week, I was just like, yeah, he's he's so far away from actually contending, and and that's okay. Like, it's okay to just have this year kind of be, you know, uh, just stay healthy and figure out what's next. But but I don't know. I, but. Well, but what if he won? But what if he won? Just what, what if, if he won? won? Let's talk about that. What yes. if Phil won for the first time since thirteen? Well, I, I want to get to Phil one second, but I want to know, like, first, what on the on the on the course? What was? I mean, first of all, 
it was just like a who's who of watching PGA Tour live, watching all you guys walk by every shot. <laughs> How many media people were out following that group, and were the galleries around that group as big as they appeared on TV? On Thursday, the galleries were not huge. I mean, part of it is it's like 7 in the morning when mm-hmm. he's teeing off or whatever. On Friday, the galleries were insane. I mean, they were just packed like crazy, and there's it was so hard – my parents were in town, so I walked a little bit with them outside the ropes, and you just couldn't see anything. I mean, even if you ran a whole, you know, half a hole ahead, you could barely get a spot to see something. Um, it was really interesting. Like, you know, Rory talked a little bit about this after the round about how Tiger loses half a shot a day to to the field because of all the yahoos who like want to scream stuff in his backswing or want to say stupid things, and it's true. Like when you really experience it. Uh, you know, right there on the ground. I've followed Tiger for a few rounds, um, but you know, some of them were over in Scotland and stuff, and so it's not quite the same atmosphere. Like at a place, you know, where Riv, like they don't limit the tickets, so whomever wants to come can come. You're going to get a lot of people who are only Tiger fans; they're not golf fans, and so they're going to act really stupid. And you know, it was it's really interesting just to hear like people so desperately want him to be good again. And it's still so much like, I still believe you're the greatest. I still love you, Tiger. I still know you can do it. And that's kind of encouraging, but there's also still so many people who just want to be like, Eldrick! <laughs> El Tigre! <laughs> you know? It's like you, you realize how awful that must be to just hear the same things over and over again. Like, or if you're Justin Thomas, be like, Roll Tide, man! Roll Tide! Like, you're not... <clears throat> You're not making that player happy by yelling dumb shit. Like I don't, I don't quite understand the impulse. I, 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 I said this after I caddied for JT in the pro and program at the Memorial last year, and that was just a pro am. Like after 18 holes, I was annoyed, and that was my mm-hmm. the first time going through it. At just the, the stuff that was being yelled like at him during that day, like Snapchat. It's like that. That that's it. That's that's what you're yelling at somebody. Like, yeah, it's an that's a phone app, um, and and so the, I, I always wondered like how Tiger handles that, and if he truly hears it, like if he hears people yell his name anymore after hearing it for yeah. 20 years, like, do you maybe tune it out? I I really am curious, and just the what's, the approach what, that he takes versus what Phil takes fascinates me, right? I mean, what's fascinating to me, yeah, I mean, Phil, you're right. I think DJ was making this a point on a podcast here I was doing about how like Phil can like nod to like a thousand people a whole and give them the thumbs up, and it's like the, if he doesn't do it to the one person, like that one person must think, oh, what a jerk, that guy, you know, Phil, he blew me off. What's fascinating to me to watch Tiger is he ignores ninety nine percent of it, and how he hears like. The occasional people that he does kind of acknowledge, it's, you know, it's almost always a kid or it's, you know, a military person or something. So it's like he is able to internalize it and yet he will only kind of hand out the sort of the daps a little bit to someone uh, who he thinks like is worthy of his like hello. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of kind of cool to watch. So. Um, before we go on to Phil, uh, you saw, obviously, as a byproduct of being there, I'm assuming mostly to see Tiger, you saw a lot of Rory this week. Yes, I did. Uh, being the resident Rory fan that you are as well. <laughs> were, you, were you encouraged by what you saw from him? I was encouraged by the putter on Friday. Uh, I was pretty dismayed by the wedges, uh, which is always going to be, I think, um, the issue for him. I mean, I don't – look, I, I'm I'm a – 15 handicap at best you know like i can't for me to critique rory's golf swing would be laughable but i I just don't quite get um how he's missing wedges by 10 yards like it it's 
it seems to me like as a professional golfer, if you miss a wedge, it should be by three, four yards or, you know, it should be in the, not long and short, you know, that's, that's what he's missing. I mean, he had a wedge, I want to say on 17 on Thursday where, you know, he bogeyed both the par fives on Thursday with a wedge in his hand. And that just seems like inexplicable, like hit that, you know, we should hit those to 10, 15 feet. And if you make the putt, great. If you don't, uh, you know, uh, you move on to the next hole, but you should never fly that five yards long. And I just don't quite get, you know, we've, I've made as much many excuses for Rory as anybody love the guy as a, uh, as a interview, as a, as an athlete, as a competitor. Um, but you know, he's changed the ball. He's changed the equipment. He's gotten healthy. You know, he's got his personal life in great shape. Like all of the things that I've kind of felt like, well, wait till this is done and then it'll be fine. Uh, that's done. And he, you know, he's still, he's just not sharp like he was in 14. And that's the Rory I want to see. I think that's where we all want to see. And uh, hopefully we will, but to do that again, you got to figure out how to hit those wedges, like a distance that's going to give you makeable putts. Yeah. I think the most encouraging thing is everything you're saying, everything I'm thinking, everything we're all thinking while watching him is just kind of not disappointed right now, but just ready for ready for contending Rory to be there. And we're talking about a guy that finished T twenty this week. You know, right. he's yeah. not he's not missing the cut. He's he's not, but at the same time, doesn't seem that close. So I'm encouraged yeah. by that. He is. <clears throat> I think I may have said this. We have, we have too many platforms where we give takes now. May have been the live show. May have been <laughs> may have been the, the the podcast. But I said like watching him in Abu Dhabi take on the lines that he takes off the yes. tee was my first real. And I've I've watched a ton of Rory, but my first real appreciation for exactly what it means to be a great driver of the golf ball and that there were some corners he would get around that you know matthew fitzpatrick is is 70 yards back because he has to take a different club because he just and the the narrow parts of the fairway that he's willing to put the ball in it's truly it's 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 an incredible skill now the only way you're going to greatly benefit from that is if you're taking advantage and stuffing it in close from those spots so Mm -hmm. that he's not doing right now i don't I don't know. I, 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 he's going to have weeks, you know, he's hit a ton of wedges to 20 feet and not rolling in the putts. He's going to have a ton of weeks where he hits everything to 12 feet and he runs in half of them and that's when he wins. So he, I feel like he's, I feel like it's weird to say, I don't never feel like he's in tight, like in super close with his wedges, mm-hmm. but he's always putting from like 10 to 15 feet when he's playing really well and he just makes yeah. enough of those to win. So I think what, what's going to happen with him this year is that what, what really needs to happen maybe is that, he just has one kind of swing thought one day that sort of takes it like, you know, in the first couple he hits, you know, hits it tight and he just rolls off a win. And then it's like, Oh my God, like I've won one for the first time in like a year. And then, you know, maybe he reels off like two of the next four or, you know, three of the next eight or whatever. Like he's, I think he's, I don't know. It is it, right. It doesn't feel like he's close, but like for him, it's so much about like confidence and sort of swagger that if he gets that back that he hasn't had for, you know, quite for a year or two, that's going to be really kind of fun to watch. And it's not the kind of thing you'd get back at Augusta because that place is always going to have a little bit of demons for him. But somewhere along this year, he's going to tear up a course and shoot a 62, you know, like he did back when he was, you know, winning, uh, you know, just dominating courses. And then all of a sudden it's going to be like, all right, he's in it. Like he's, it's, he's ready to go. He's going to win the PGA or he's going to win the, you know, win the British this year. So. 
Yeah, no, I, I think getting in contention those first two events there in the Emirates was was big. It was, I'm not saying like good enough, but for him, yeah. kind of woke him up to be like, yeah, I still got this. Like, I, I I've got this. I'm not that far off. So I, I mean, not a great start to his stateside season here, but he's going to play a ton, um, and there's going to be a lot more to judge him off of than you know than than these couple of weeks. And again, talking about a guy that finished 20th this week, it's not it's far from the end of the world there in that regard. So, um, all right, let's talk about your boy Phil. Um, yeah. Finished T6, coming off mm-hmm. a T5 and a T2 in the previous two weeks leading up to that. Are we feeling that uh, a win for Phil this year? Is he finally going to get off the snide? No wins since 2013. Uh, it would be great if he did. I still think that like all that really matters to Phil is like putting more majors up. Like he doesn't need to win like a 44th tournament. I mean, yeah, it would be nice to like if he did it, so he didn't. People wouldn't talk about it. But you know, what'll matter is if if he goes out you know, on Thursday at Augusta and shoot 68. Like that's all that he really is. He's got to want. I th- he looks honestly, we were making a little bit, bit big of a, too big of a deal about this in the broadcast, but he does look trimmer. Like he looks pretty um, in good shape to start the season. And, you know, with him, maybe he's got, you know, his sort of uh, maybe the fitness and the arthritis stuff is all under control. And maybe he's just like ready to go. And he's, he's putting a little bit better and certainly driving. Like if he just drives it, okay. Like he's going to be in contention because he's going to hit great irons and that's where he's at. Like he's, it's, it is kind of remarkable that he's, I think he's 47 this year or he'll turn 47 the U S open this year, which is older than Nicholas was when he won the masters when it seemed like a huge deal. So if he won a major this year, it would be, you know, he'd be the oldest major winner other than uh, Boros or whatever. So like, that's a kind of a remarkable thing that he's still, this good, this competitive, like uh, late into a career where the field is much deeper. Like it isn't like, you know, Arnold Palmer winning, you know, the Phoenix Open when he was 50 or whatever or whatever it was. Like he's, this is a, this is a field where a hundred guys can win, not six guys can win. Right. So. And I mean, him at, at age 46, 47 and playing five weeks in a row, like that's no yeah. joke. That, that, I, I was—I I didn't even realize that until today that he played five in a row. When I yeah. when I go to a tournament, I mean, I, I do I do walk a decent amount on the golf course, and I try to get out every single day and follow some guys and whatnot. I'm not playing a round of golf every day and dealing with everything they've got to do. But like after that week, like I'm I'm pretty yeah. wiped. I'm pretty like Absolutely. that Monday Tuesday is kind of a dead day for me usually. Just what some kind of jet lag or some kind of travel, obviously like flying private and stuff makes it makes it a little different for him but man five weeks in a row is a lot for him to have played that well and the thing is back is his putting he's top 10 on tour right now in strokes game Mm -hmm. putting still not driving it great he's that's not going to change in this far into his career but um i don't know i think the the putting thing is is very encouraging and it just he seems to have a little bit more spring in his step this year and Mm -hmm. i think he really did deal with some fatigue issues last year it yep. seemed like he just couldn't last four rounds, but having some really strong finishes these last three weeks kind of makes me think like, all right, this might be, things might be, I'm not, I'm not expecting like a huge career resurgence, but I, I do kind of disagree. I think, I think he does want to win one really badly. And just risking some tournament. To yeah. Kind of it's been almost five years since he's won. I think that Man. matters to him. So, yeah. um, I, that, that would just be, I think he would start believing a lot more that he can win majors if he, you know, won the, St. Jude Classic or something like that even. so. Would you feel more confident in Rory closing the deal at Augusta leading in the final round or Phil leading in the final round in the U.S. Open closing the deal? Oh, God. Uh, I think <laughs> what, Rory. What, what would have you more on the edge of your seat, like tearing apart a no-laying-up towel like Jerry Tarkanian used to do? With the teeth? 
<laughs> I would be more nervous for Phil knowing okay. the amount of attempts there are left, right? Sure. And right. I think it's it's so easy to get, you know, if you know, if, if Rory has a five shot lead on the back nine at Augusta and blows it this year. People are going to say he's he'll never win a Masters. It's like, well, he's probably got like fifteen yeah. good more chances at this, and right. it's so easy to kind of, yeah. So if if if, if I w- I wouldn't, I don't know. I don't also don't really believe that much that Rory's really got demons. At least I don't think it relates to 2011. I just think there's legitimately issues with the or just holes out there that he has trouble with, or certain shots okay. out there that he does have trouble with that are always going to kind of give him trouble more so than like. Mm-hmm. Then that back nine collapse. If anything, I kind of view that that 2011 Masters as such something he hopefully draws back on. It's like I can definitely compete on this golf yeah. course. So I do think he gets tired of talking about it the same way that Jordan got tired of talking about you know blowing it on 12. Like every year, Roy kind of comes to the Masters with like a different sort of like mentality of like, oh, I didn't play as much this year. Right. Or, oh, I played a ton this year. Or you know, I'm not really like not worrying too much about it or yeah, I'm embracing the pressure or, you know, it's so it's like when you start talking your way around it, like those different kind of things, I think it, it gets in your head a little bit. Like, I don't think it quite, it would be impossible for Phil not to get nervous if he was leading on the back nine chinny this year. You know? Oh, for, of course. Yeah. I mean, he's got to start seeing, seeing, reading the tea leaves and knowing, I mean, I think he's got one good run left in him in a U.S. open. Yeah. I don't know where it's going to be or what, um, but, uh, yeah, he's got to, he's got to know that it's kind of a, a last, but I don't know, like the, the storybook way he won in 04, when it kind of really did feel like, all right, is this guy ever really going to win one? Yeah. It makes me think that it, 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 it just makes me think that, that, that guy is capable of ri- rising to the, like rising to the situation in a way that not everyone is capable of. And he's proved that so many times in his career that the Phil presser, if he won the US open. Would oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he wears that leather jacket that he wore on the unfairity. <laughs> well, see, it's actually not that hard to win a U.S. Open. <laughs> um, all right, we got a great look at Patrick Cantley this weekend. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't his best weekend, but he gave us a, kind of a taste for what kind of a player that he is. Are you ready to pencil him in for France? I hate to make I hate to make everything Ryder Cup, but yeah, well, it's but that's what we do. That's what we do all year long. So. <laughs> Uh, if it, if it keeps up, yeah, I'm really, I'm big on Cantley. I'm really, I'm buying stock already. Uh, like, like the swing, love the pedigree. You know, he's got the talent of Justin and Jordan and those guys. He just, his career kind of got derailed because of the car accident and some other stuff. And I feel like totally like I'm, I'm in on that. Um, I, you know, I'm always wanting to go younger on the sort of the bottom end of the Ryder cup because it just helps build for the future. And I feel like those guys, totally embrace it and i just don't like you know did ryan moore really like help out the Ryder cup team that much like it was okay but like obviously jt should have got that spot you know in retrospect the idea that literally like one of the three most talented players of his generation didn't get that last Ryder cup spot seems ridiculous like it would have been such a good building block for paris if they had given it to jt and instead kind of gave it to a journeyman and that's that's why i think you just need a captain who doesn't really feel like he has to bow to the the media pressure or whatever like who it would have lasted about five minutes if people were like it's so unfair that justin thomas he hasn't done anything well 
I'm the captain. I get to pick who I want to pick. That's why they named me the captain, you know? So as soon as balls go in the air, like there's no fair or unfair, like it's, it's totally. a completely different scenario. And that I, the one thing I kind of go off of though, and I've said this a lot, but like that team that won 16 and a half, 11 and a half that didn't have JT didn't have yeah. Cantlay and didn't have, and, and this could be for better or for worse, but didn't have Bubba on it either. Like if we get yeah. a elite performing Bubba back that, maybe has a resurgence in the Ryder Cup. Like that team all of a sudden becomes ridiculously stacked. And I know I've gotten way too excited about this U.S. the U.S. prospects, but man, I think people don't fully, fully appreciate how good Cantley is and kind of how, you know, well, Rom has kind of emerged into a, a top three player in the world, but there was a time there where DJ, Spieth, and JT were the top three ranked players in the world. And that's kind of, that's a tough top three to, you know, they're gonna, those, those three guys are going to play four matches and, it's it's a formidable team and it's going to continue to get stronger i think throughout the year but uh man we're gonna i can't I, we should keep a tally on how many times the Ryder cup gets mentioned on this pod between now and then i was literally just thinking that i think you should give a t-shirt to someone who will keep a tally of all the people that you and i have put on the Ryder cup team over the years <laughs> talking about this whether it's DeChambeau or finau or whomever like we have we've put a lot of different uh dudes um you know and you know whether it was uh I'm trying. I'm stuck on not Lee McCoy, but the uh, the other Stan, the Stanford kid who uh, his dad. Oh, Maverick McNeely. We don't think, feel like we threw his name out there. It's Patrick like, Rogers has been out there from time to yeah. time. Um, I think Bryson. I think even I, I may yeah. have mentioned that a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. so. Um, so it's gonna be fun. T-shirt, free T-shirt to anybody who compiles the entire list of people. Yes, correct. On, on KVV's <laughs> dime, you're gonna buy, you're gonna buy that. So. <laughs> Um, other guys in the mix, Finau and Nal were tie, tied for two and some quiet top tens for Spieth and JT and also Xander yeah. Shoffley. Another guy could be, uh, yeah. could be on the back end of that team. So, uh, I know you didn't get to watch a ton on TV, but will you entertain me at least a little bit while I vent about the broadcast? Going to try not to beat the dead horse too off too much that's been covered, but I want to get your perspective on it too, as a journalist and a media member. Mm-hmm. It's making sure that we're barking up the right tree kind of with what we're talking about with, with television coverage. So you've heard me say it a million times in a million different ways. I, w- I just want you to confirm that we're on the right track and uh, don't, and right don't, track. okay. Don't, if, if we're wrong, don't tell me. You're on the right <laughs> track. I think that criticism is totally fair. And I think that, uh, you know, it, any idea that it's unfair, I mean, it's clear that they're listening a little bit because of all the kind of subtle comments of like, we're showing a lot of live golf today. Like, wow isn't that your job like they are so the point that you made about dj like you know the number one player in the world shoots 64 you know almost shoots 28 on the back nine and they don't show a single shot of his until he's second shot into 18 and then they show highlights so it's like it wasn't like there wasn't cameras on him no 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 they showed highlights from the second round they didn't oh, really? have, yeah, they didn't have cameras on him during, and that same nine on Saturday, Hao Tong Lee made an ace on the sixth hole, one of the coolest par threes in the world, and they didn't have video of it. They didn't even mention it on the air. Like, I don't know how that happens. Like, I, I always thought like every, every shot is essentially recorded in some way. I know like some mm-hmm. tournaments, like in Mayakoba and stuff, and they don't have cameras on absolutely everything. But I mean, if somebody makes like an ace on a Thursday morning, that that I see that highlight somewhere. I can't remember uh, hearing about yeah. a hole in one that I can't watch in some way. Yeah, I don't. You know, it's it's inexcusable. And I mean, look, if you want to tell me, like, look, we didn't have a camera on Lee, so we can't show that. Like, oh, okay, I understand. Like, I think it's an error because you know, here is like a a, a player who 
has a potential market of two billion people <laughs> who want to see his golf. So maybe uh, talk to CBS China and see if you can't, you know, uh, get get a camera that falls around the whole round and get a special feed to the, you know, to back home to Beijing. But the idea that the number one player in the world would play really great and it would be like it would didn't even matter is bonkers. Like, what in the world? How does that even happen? Yeah. It's, a, it's just an enormous whiff. And like, I forget, I think it was Jay Rigdon made the point where he said, like, look, part of part of what we're relying on you for is to be able to handle the unexpected. Right. I mean, yes. like, like that, that's kind of what's we're in the, in it for in sports is to be able to, you know, tune into something that's unexpected and exciting. So and also wasn't the, it here. Like, when was the tournament that JT literally almost won? And they had it was Spieth. It. it was Spieth. And was, he, okay. he he bogeyed 18 to finish a shot out of the playoff. And the first hole they showed him was the 17th. That was like in 2015, I think, before he was and, before he'd won the Masters. And that was here at Riviera. Correct. Or no. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that yeah. was at Riff. Um, What's I'd, up with Riffs being sneaky? Like you would think that DJ and Spieth would be people that they would kind of, you know, want to pay attention to. Yeah. I mean, there was he was only shown a few times this weekend too, which again, quite curious. But yeah, they they they, they brag about how many shots they showed. They showed 183 this year, and we had charted uh, on the same Saturday two years ago. Same guys in contention, Bubba leading. They showed 184. So like over, to, over, despite all the we're showing all this live golf, they they did not show any more golf shots on this Saturday. First of all, that is a laborious. I don't know if that's a word, but that is a laborious task, a <laughs> laborious task yes. of counting all those shots on that Saturday. Granted, we were aided by some alcohol, but uh, we had some fun doing it. But uh, I don't know. The thing it just it just kind of. I mean, obviously, I'm a diehard golf fan, and I can't sit down and watch the tournament without being on my phone, like being distracted by something because it just has no flow. There's so many commercials. There's so many ad breaks within. You know, they don't even go to commercial and CEO interviews, and it just has so little flow that it makes me upset. So, even if look, ads pay the freight. So, like, I understand ads. Like, you got to have ads. That's the reason why we can watch it. But why are we showing like tap-ins? Like the idea that we are wasting 40, 50 seconds, a minute and a half to what, to go to someone tap-in is ridiculous. Just tell me like, yeah, Bubba made his tap-in there and we go now to 13 to watch, you know, Cantley. Like it, like it's just absurd. Like I, I think it's, it has a, certainly a product of there's no competition, you know, so CBS is just kind of kind of do what it's going to do. The only thing that can really change it is like if people – get upset if they sort of were like, yeah, you know, I, I'm disappointed in this broadcast. And, you know, I think that happens with every network. That's the only way that things change, you know, it's just, it's, but you know, the one thing that we always kind of notice is in the open championship is if when you can watch the, the actual like sky sports broadcast, it's so dramatically different from what you see in the States and so much better. It's just like a minimal, this kind of golf it's, it's golf. Yeah. <laughs> How much would you pay to be able to watch just golf? Like you could name a price and, and you would, and I would pay it. That's but what I'd pay for PGA Tour Live. I mean, that's just, yeah. it's not a full on broadcast. We're not showing every player in the field, but mm-hmm. you get, I mean, that's amazing. That's awesome to get every single shot from six guys as long as they pick the right guys. On, like mm-hmm. they, they hopefully, I would assume they got some major subscriptions at PGA Tour Live this week. You pair Rory, JT, and mm-hmm. Tiger together. Like people are going to sign up to watch that. That should be like just yes. the test case for if you build something good then people are going to pay for it and get it so yes. and um, i think that's what that seems to be more where they're trending of like we're going to have a super group and we're going to put it on pga tour live like sometimes when the pga tour live is awful like 
you know, there's been some like last year where we all kind of joke about like, are you kidding me? Like that's, you know, it's like Westwood, like Mike Weir and I don't know who else, but like, it's sorry to shout out to those guys. Shout out to Mike Weir, but (laughs) that's, you don't want to watch that. Like you want to watch the best players in the world. Like if you offered me like NBA, like league pass and I got to watch, you know, like, uh, God, what what are some of the worst, like Charlotte versus, you know, the Kings, like every night, like I'd be furious, but that's like the equivalent of not getting to watch good players. You know? Right. No, it's, it's, it's back to like how Tong Lee, they, people, people should hear his story, right? It's, it's kind yeah. of a big deal that he's over in the States playing and he's this, I, I think he's 22 years old and he's like got a lot of personality. Like he's a funny yeah. guy from everything. And he's that huge too, right? Yeah. When he shook Roy's hand after the, I, mean, I was like, Oh my God, this guy's huge. Yeah. Like he's six, four or something. Like he, he just won in Europe. Like show him, show two of his shots and talk about his story a little bit rather than, you know, I mean, I don't, he showed every one of Kevin Nas shots. I think this afternoon, that's fine. But if you're capable of that, then you're capable of showing a lot of other things too. So, I mean, not finished T2. That was probably not the best example, but yeah. um, all right. That's, that's all I had for my furious note taking. Uh, is there anything else we missed from the week? Um, I think we're good. Did anybody, anybody miss cut that was a surprise that we were, uh, no, I had thought, I mean, DJ almost missed the cut first of yeah. all and got himself back into contention and almost, yeah, that was, that was extremely impressive and kind of an underrated storyline. I thought he was toast. I mean, he tripled number five on Thursday and was four over at one point, I think, and then battled back to make the cut. That was, that was impressive. But, uh, no, other than big cat missing the cut, uh, there wasn't anything, anything major that, Stuck out. I mean, Riv just Riv is. Uh, we we touched on it, but man, it's so cool to watch guys. Everyone's kind of ripping on the first hole being too easy, but it's like I love that they just kind of hand you a hole to start with. It's like here's your birdie hole. Now the rest mm-hmm. is going to get really hard. And yeah. there's even like interesting strategy elements to that first hole where you play it. And yeah. uh, was that your first time at Riv? It was first time there, so it was a cool to get to see. It was fun to walk around with Andy Johnson Friday, Andy Johnson. And him be like, oh yeah, this place is pure, but this I'd cut these trees down right here. There's a, they're an abomination. <laughs> so, like, I can't imagine how many trees he would remove on that property. <laughs> oh my god, it, it would it would be super controversial, but it would also be super fascinating to to see Andy get like his chance to tear apart Riff. <laughs> so. Did you get to watch much of number ten? Yes, uh, and uh, it was fun. It was certainly cool to see. Um, both Tiger and, and JT uh, laid up uh, the first day, and then Rory tried to drive with three wood and got in a horrible, horrible lie, and then chipped in from the you know flew the green and then chipped in, uh, and the other guys hit great wedges to a few feet. So it was, I did watch some of the other players as I was kind of walking around. It's it's fun, but it is kind of um, you know Andy was I saw did write up making some points about how. 10 is great, but it could be better. Yeah. I honestly, the, the funnest shot I saw all week was Tiger birdied 10 on Friday. And then he came to 11 and he was obviously needed to like make a run to make the cut. He hit a, a bad drive left into the trees and it looked like he was kind of in jail. And like I was standing just a few feet away and we were, it was completely like chaos all around. We finally got everything calmed down and he, he hit a four iron that went about a hundred yards, like maybe six feet off the ground and then started to climb. I don't even know how that's physically <laughs> possible. And then like started to draw left. And I was like, Oh my God, this guy's still got something in there <laughs> <laughs> that there's only maybe three or four guys in the world 
in golf history who could do things like that. Seve was one, but just the artistry and the strength and the balance that that took, you know, I, he maybe hasn't figured out what it's like to hit just a normal shot anymore, but when he has to sort of summon all of his gifts and do stuff like that, I mean, the, the roar that went up, it was like, it, it was as big as any birdie roar when that happened. Cause everyone around just couldn't believe watching the ball shape in the air like that. That's one of those shots that's worth the worth the trip just to be able to see that because yes, you'll yes. never see that on TV no matter what kind of technology or it's just not possible to kind of relay that. But uh, one of the I mean, uh, for as much as far as we were on CBS, one of the best parts, though, like the only times I were around to like hear what something was said was, you know, Peter Casas was teed up and asked what he thought of this, the 10th hole. And he's like, I think it's too severe. I think the green complex is too severe. And like that's that's what the like put Brandel on a broadcast. And that's the kind of things that he's yep. going to say. He's going to make points and not be afraid to ruffle feathers like that's not that controversial of a statement but like you don't you just never hear that kind of analysis and i give him credit for kind of to chime in because i've argued that 10th green is way too severe and i think the hole is a bit silly to be honest i think it really could be a great strategic hole but it's not because Mm -hmm. there's just not that much incentive to lay way back off the tee and you got to get really just and essentially you got to get lucky on your tee shot that it goes the right distance. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's one thing. It's not really that fair to ask a guy to like, all right, you got to hit this 287 yards and not 292. Cause you're blocked yeah. out if you do. And I, I just don't think that's the most ideal fair test question of a player. So, yeah, no, I agree. I, I I'm a big person who believes that like, uh, the, a great shot and a bad shot shouldn't be determined by just luck. Right. And that's, um, you know, I think, you should get uh it should be strategic more you know if you're willing to take on something like you're, you have the potential for trouble but you can be rewarded and good and i just don't if that pin is in the back literally no one should hit driver because it, there's no good scenario that comes out of that i mean i suppose you could drive it in the bunker and try to chip it close but it just doesn't most of the time it's going to run way off and you're going to make four or five I do salute a hole that's going to just mess with guys. They need more of those. Yeah. They do, but I think it, I do think there's just some changes they can make to that green contour and widen it a bit and kind of give encourage guys as, as blasphemous as it is to say, encourage guys to lay up. I want guys to have an option with a wedge from the middle of the fairway at least, like make mm-hmm. the decision off the tee interesting. But yeah. um, they'll get there. So, all right, brother, I'm gonna let you go Sunday night. Okay. Thank you for uh, thanks for taking the time. Um, you happy to uh, happy to get your on course reporting, and uh, we will be hearing from you probably hopefully sooner rather than later. Really enjoy uh, really enjoy having you. Thank you. All right, All we'll right. speak soon. Later, man. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! Expect 